The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hi, this is Jeff and Rochelle from Travel Hub Radio with another Travel Hub tip. What is the best rule of... I want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleiner Hour, The Power of Water and Climate and Your Health and What is Happening on Our Planet. This show is what we've been told, the only show on the face of our globe and the planet that wants to discuss and have conversation with our guests every week about your health and water and the issues of water. I've noticed that IBM is getting into the water business even further, and they're calling it a smarter smarter water planet. In other words, let's be smarter about the water on our planet. They're putting billions into this issue. Uh, We've known through the years that water has become a worldwide phenomena as a commodity in investing. And then in that investment, we've learned that uh, Aqua America's stock went up. So here we go. Water is an issue all over the world. We've talked to the United Nations on our show. Water is important. Did you know that 1.1 billion people in the world do not have access to safe water, but even though if you live in the United States of America and in nations that are very modern, you may have bad pipes. So 1.1 billion people in the world do not have access to safe water, but I'm challenging the pipes. And that's something that I read that IBM is getting into, learning how to monitor the pipes, the waterways, every moment of your life in the water and time. Ask questions. Don't take for granted your pipes. If you have newer pipes, the chances are your pipes may be safer. If your pipes are older pipes that your water is flowing through, the hydraulic won't pick, could pick up bacteria and sediment and things that get in the pipe that, go, that, that stick right into that pipe and don't move when you turn off the water. So every time you turn on your water in your home or wherever, if you're going to drink out of that uh, faucet, let the water run for a few moments before you have a glass of water or use it for anything else. It is vital with our health. Did you know the word dehydration was left behind with the temperature? Uh, We take your temperature, and if it's over 98 degrees, oh my gosh, you could become more dehydrated. Dehydration means from the moment you were born and you entered the air you breathe, from that moment on, you dehydrate to your final moment of breath. So when we're checking the itch on your toe, we're checking as uh, your, whatever it may be, uh, whatever disease, even a cancer, rheumatoid arthritis, whatever it is. What is the dehydration of your body? Because when you were born, your dehydration, no two eyes alike, no two skins on the complexion alike, no two fingerprints alike, no many other things alike. So come on, let's get together on our research. And this show is going to get more into taking you on research classroom projects. So you learn what certain descriptions mean. Did you know that the National Academy of Science recently with the Social Press announced dry air causes the flu? I've been in research for 30 years. 
Long ago, I was able to determine that air was causing all of our ailments and diseases. So let's get together in this research project together each show and learn more about what we can learn with each other and the special guests that come on from all over the United States and who potentially all over the world. We will learn more about the water, about your dehydration, what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and, and the air you're breathing, and enjoy your life. Be vain. It's not embarrassing to be vain. You know, in cosmetics, we used to say, in the field I was with before I started this, is in the cosmetic field, we said, vanity is so important. Take care of yourself. Well, that's your everyday health. Be vain about your environment. You are the ecosystem. So remember, everything about you is so important to everyone around you and your gift that you've been given on this earth. Today, Glenn Fellman is one of our guests from Maryland. He's an executive director with the Indoor Air Quality Association, and our topic will be dangers in the home, which is one of my favorite subjects about dry air. Our second guest will be David Peterson from Seattle, Washington. He's the head of research by, uh, by, in biology. He's the team leader with the U.S. Forest Department uh, in the Pacific Northwest uh, with Wildlife and Fire Sciences Laboratory. We're going to learn a lot about the air quality and what's happening on humans and plant life and water. It should be a lot of fun. And remember when you're listening, go into your own thinking with research. Think about your own ideas and what you need to learn to make a better place on this planet. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Center's Nature's Tears Eye Mist without eye drops to supplement the eyes because of the dry air just with a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. the secret of nature's tears eye mist an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops when your tear film is dry your eyes feel dry nature's tears eye mist naturally supplements the tear film with biologic aqua absolute premium standard grade of pure all-natural water nature's tears eye mist just a mist all natural safe convenient no preservatives nature's tears eye mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you the world is talking. World Talk Radio. Glenn, are you with? With you. How are you today, Glenn? Doing great. Wonderful. Thank you for joining us. I know how busy you must be, but indoor quality and research can never be completed. It's a crisis. Well, it, it sure is. It's a pleasure to join you on your show today and to talk to you and your listeners about things that can be done to keep the indoor environment uh, clean and healthy. Did you hear me mention that the National Academy of Science several weeks ago announced that dry air causes the flu? Uh, I, you know, I caught that. I, I was listening to your show last week, and then I heard you say it again. I have not read that. Yeah, look it up, um, National Academy of Sciences. In fact, we'll email you the article. It was all over the Associated Press, and it was determined the dry air. Now, where I come from, Glenn, in my research all these 30 years, is I could see that the future of the concerns of the air we're breathing, and where I come from is this, is the moment you were born, you entered in the air you breathe, you left a water bag, and you were just like a, it became like a vacuum cleaner to you. 
But Glenn, no two eyes are alike. No two complexions of the skin are alike. No two fingerprints and more. So that's a dehydration. They, we've never learned that. Uh, I mean, let's put it this way. They knew it, but there was no education about what that meant. Indoor quality is serious because we're indoors so commonly, uh, working and sleeping, just sleeping Nine, and working. There's 90% of our time we're hours indoors. Right there. Pardon? 90% of our time we're indoors. Exactly. So I just picked up sleeping and, and uh, working, 16 maybe hours there and more, and look what happened. Look what happened. And, you know, where I come from, and you can educate us in our classroom here, and let's do some evaluations too. Uh, don't just go based on what you know for a fact that's been proven, but let's go on future research, maybe theories. Is I learned, Glenn, that when they had an energy way back in time thinking, they decided to have insulation, windows and walls and, and everything they could think of to save the uh, heat and energy and save money and have it kept indoors. Then they came along with forced air, heating, and cooling. Then there, now we've got chemistry in our fabrics and our paints and carpeting and bedding and detergents. And I could go on and on. I think the listener and yourself could just start listing on a piece of paper all the things you can look at and see dry air. We and, certainly and set ourselves up for catastrophic failure in our construction uh, because of the energy crisis in the 70s, and, and yes. people fear that we're about to do the same thing all over again. Thank you. Thank we, you. We made our homes is fear. and our buildings dramatically more, what we call tight. They're tight buildings. There's less air exchanging naturally through cracks and crevices. Your windows are sealed completely. Everything is sealed tight. The only air that comes in and out of the building is when the front door opens, and that may even have an air seal, or through the ventilation system. And also in the 1970s, we put in energy codes that, that cut back on the amount of fresh air that was brought into the building. It, so as a result, we have contaminant. Yeah. It, it, and, then, it, and then the National Academy of Science says dry air causes flu. But for, to help you in our classroom here, and you are, and I are those professors here with this research project in this show, is do you know what you have to live in to be flexible with the skin so the skin isn't so tight and full of toxin and, and stressed out and like a leather board, you've got to have that moisture in the air you can't see called absolute humidity. If you don't have that, we don't know which one of you or us will be affected by the lack of it. We don't know. There's never been a test on each of us yet. If you talk to the building scientists and the engineers who set up these thermal comfort and energy codes, they'll tell you that the ideal indoor humidity level is between 35 and 50 percent, probably a little closer to 50 than 35. And that comes right out of the standards that are usually written into code for most states in the country as they're looking for humidity in that, you know, 35 to 50 percent Now, when range. they're testing the humidity, I'm going to ask you, because that was the one thing that I was so excited about that National Academy of Science, what they said, Glenn. Um, is that relative humidity was always determined in the past to be the valuable humidity based on temperature. The new one that they proved without a doubt is what's called the absolute humidity. That's the humidity without the t that's con consistent, mm -hmm. not without the temperature changing. Now, I'm wondering, and this is just like I said today, let's just look at this like a research class. Is it possible that through the years, 
that when they said that the 35 to 50 percent was relative humidity based on temperature rather than absolute, because the body has to have absolute. And what that means, Glenn, for you to walk around and live with flexibility to the skin, uh, your eyes to breathe. And by the way, we learned in research that they, when the eye lid is open, the organ of the eye is the only organ not covered by the skin that moment. Where's the moisture to keep your eyes healthy and flexible and detoxified and a pH acid mantle protection? So we're learning. But what, what I'm thinking is, do you know if they based it on how they uh, regulate, what type of, of humidity that is? I'm almost certain it's on relative humidity. Now, here's where you, you run into a, a catch-22 problem. If we say that we want to have elevated levels of relative humidity because we know that it's good for us, we know that our bodies crave this moisture, we need to have buildings and homes that allow for moisture to transfer from inside to outside. We need to, to, to have moisture transfer. What we've done is we've created buildings that don't allow for moisture to transfer from, from, from indoors to outdoors. So as a result, we not only are capturing these contaminants indoors and recycling them over and over again through our ventilation system and our mechanical systems, but we're not allowing for moisture to, to transfer back and forth between the, the, the walls and, and different structures of the building. So that if we increase the humidity levels indoors to uh, a higher level than what are considered to be the standards, we have the problem of buildings that are not adequately ventilated so that mm -hmm. the, the air isn't distributed evenly throughout the building, mm -hmm. you end up with high humidity levels in places you don't want them, right. which are like places like your basement or places right. like your attic space, where suddenly you grow mold. Right. So it's a, like I say, it's a catch-22. You want to have a higher level of humidity because it, it's better for you and it might increase your, your, your comfort indoors, but at the same time, if you go just a little bit too high, you have the consequence of mold growth, which can be a big health issue as well. Right. What are some of the other things that people should be considering besides the mold one? Uh, is there some other things in there that they should be considering? Yeah, I talk to people. I have a laundry list of things that they should do, but they all really center around um, what I call just the clean, dry approach. And let me characterize dry for you before yeah, I'd like you, to. <laughs> you worry about that. Let's start with clean. Um, clean. <laughs> clean is real simple. And, and so many people I talk to have indoor air quality problems have such issues that they aren't even thinking about. Let's just start with the simplest things like pets. It's amazing the number oh. of people I talk to who have allergic-type problems who have a household. And they don't even know it. And they have a household of animals. Yeah. And, I, and I chuckle to myself. I say, well, you, you know, I know you don't want to you know, depart with the kitty that you've had for so long, um, but, you know, you got to try it because, you know, unless you're going to medicate yourself through your allergy, you're not going to solve your problem. Now, uh, let's th stop there for a second. You know, you just said something that's very, very important that we should theorize. And remember, we're in a research project here. Nothing is ever completed with research. You can research for thousands of years and still learn more. Uh, one of the th theories that we might add here today is that if you have more than one pet in the house, that you could, a lot of your common colds and viruses, flu, uh, allergies, whatever it may be, could be contributed to the oil in the fur of the uh, hair of the pet. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, would may, now let's help them for a second. Now, let's say they should stop and take that serious. Is the pet drinking enough water, number one? Is the pet uh, also getting enough baths? Mm-hmm so that they can maybe have a pet, 
because it is such an important. People really value their pets like a family member. But did you ever hear about that one, how if they had more commonly ways to keep the pet cleaner themselves, their fur and their hair? I, I hadn't, but I, it, it fits well with, with what we know to be intrinsically true, scientifically true. Among children who grow up on farms, their okay. incidence of asthma is almost zero compared to children who grow up in big cities or, or, or big suburban areas. Now it's, let's back up and, on that one. What do you we, think the theory is on that one? The theory is that the children who grow up on farms are exposed to uh, a healthy dose of allergens, and they build up immunity. Okay, so, there so we go. So they're around the these animals. They're they're outdoors where there's high concentrations of mold. It's naturally occurring everywhere we go. We, without it, our, our Earth wouldn't be here. And so they, they, they are exposed to these things, and as a result, they build up immunity. And later in life, they don't have the types of allergies that kids growing up in big cities do. Now, um, you just not, not, just, not just allergies, but asthma, really uh, oh specifically my, yeah. asthma. Yeah. Now, you just said something in, the, in this. Is I've had ecologists on the show, and they have mentioned, Glenn, that if you go to a forest and you have a plant in the forest, let's say it's a seedling or a plant, and you take that plant and you dig it up and replant it, it's not going to be the same, and it's the same thing. It has to adapt. It will not grow the same way because it's having to adapt to a new location. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, let's say, for Glenn, for example, you personally, Glenn, come from Washington, Maryland, and then you come to the West Coast. You're having to adapt. I'm going to be exposed to a whole host of new um, things that I've never had before. I'm going to For be assaulted pH balancing, with... immunity protection, and bacteria, and oh, the problems. Yeah. I, I, that's you know people people often you know wonder why do they people get sick so often when they go on vacation. Now we just did something, you and I. It's not Follow just, me. It's not just the airplane. Indoor conditions. You yeah. yes. But you go from your own home, where your immunity protection maybe has been built up a little bit, and you go someplace else. You go into some other indoor conditions. Sure. Then, like you said, onboard planes is a pit. We all know onboard planes are a pit. Yeah. They are, but even, uh, you know, you, you, I had an interesting experience just here with my own staff. Three weeks ago, we went to Texas. We were holding a conference, and uh, two people on my staff were suffering from kind of hay fever type symptoms. Well, they had, I forget what it was, it was grass pollen or something going on in Texas that we don't have going on here yet in Maryland. And these folks were triggered by it. It's not in their environment here in Maryland, but it is in the environment in Texas. A couple hours after they got off the plane in Texas, they started to, to you know, stuff up and their eyes started to water. And they, they were having an allergic reaction to something that they know they're allergic to. They just, we just haven't had it, it hasn't bloomed yet here in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And Texas is dry. And Texas is dry. Yeah. That's correct, although it wasn't that week. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a break with our sponsor, Biologic Aqua, and we'll come back and discuss this. Uh, you know, this is something to discuss in this research project today. Is it possible that people need to learn how to be proactive about when they're moving around from air to air? And I've just gotten started on clean. I haven't even gotten to dry yet. So okay, we've, we'll we've go more to, to that. talk about. Okay, uh, right. we'll, take a, um, we'll listen to our sponsor, Biologic Aqua Research Center's Nature's Here's Eye Mist. Without eye drops, just a mist. All natural with just a mist. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back.
Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. is talking the world is talking world talk radio studio a glenn yeah uh let's go to dry okay are we on i'm on all right sorry about that that's okay well when i talk about dry i'm talking about it in a little different context than you are what i'm talking about is moisture that we don't want in the home one of the number one causes of indoor indoor air quality problems is excessive moisture. Now I'm talking about things like basements that leak, uh, pipes that leak that haven't been corrected, um, laundries uh, or in bathroom areas that have a heavy standing water and molds to grow. And so time after time when I talk to people who, especially when they have mold problems, it's, there's always a moisture problem. It's never really a mold problem. Mold is a symptom of the water problem. Mm-hmm. So I talk to people a lot about fixing leaks immediately and drying things completely. If you've had a flood, even a small one, in your basement and your carpeting has been saturated, you're probably going to have to get rid of your carpeting. The padding underneath it is like a super-absorbent sponge that will hold water for weeks or months, even with the best drying equipment. The padding has to go out. Mm-hmm. If your drywall has gotten wet, likewise, your drywall is very it's going to hold that moisture for a long time. Unless you have a professional dry it out, you're probably going to lose some of your drywall that's gotten wet as well. Now, Glenn, where would they go to to the web? Because everybody is so into the research on web. Where would they go to and learn that list that you just mentioned? Oh, I would go to a couple different sources. If you're talking about a, a water damage problem, I would recommend that you go to a group called the Restoration Industry Association. Okay. And their website is restorationindustry.org. Okay. And they're fire and water restorers, and they have a lot of... Because that would remind the listener, like mm-hmm. I know someone recently who had, they didn't know it, that they had a uh, leaky pipe, but they didn't know it, and it was uh, hot water. And it was causing a steam before they caught it and just damaged their walls. And it's going to be thousands of dollars later. They couldn't figure out. The power bill went up skyrocketing, but they hadn't noticed that there was a shortage of hot water for some reason. And then all of a sudden it dawned on him to go look, and when they looked they saw that the hot water was leaking and causing a steam. That, that type of thing is so common. I hear from people all the time who say, you know, we noticed a corner of our basement was a little damp, and we didn't think much of it, and we let it go, and then it started smelling a little musty, and we brought someone in. Well, yeah, they had a pinhole leak behind the wall, a tiny pinhole leak in a copper pipe, drip, drip, yeah. drip. Well, the whole wall behind the drywall is now infested with mold. So yeah. if they had fixed it when they first noticed, hmm, it's a little damp in the corner, if that day they had called a plumber and had gotten the problem fixed, it would have saved themselves. Now, Glenn, the one I will thousands. tell you on mine, the one I know of, there's this, there, you know that way they've built houses that you can barely crawl under and you dread crawling under them? Sure. You had to crawl under a house that doesn't have a basement to go figure that out. Well, so there's got to be something, and uh, hopefully, eventually, and maybe there is, 
is there any guide, uh, any uh, uh, monitors in the house that they could set up in case there is a leak at all? Well, there are. I mean, you, you certainly can, and you can get you can get some pumps. You can get some pumps with alarms that will go off. Um, there's there are also cr- new crawl space waterproofing systems where they mm-hmm. essentially line your dirt crawl space with a mm-hmm. a vapor barrier. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in in in, in Think crawl that space. out. It's important because. Like it can be a thousands and thousands of dollars worth of uh, outgo and inconvenience too, but also have the mold before you even knew it happened. That's right. Then let me talk about another aspect okay. of, of dry as well, which is okay. um, humidification and dehumidification. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people will run dehumidifiers because, especially in basements in, in areas like where especially I live, especially on your east coast where you've yeah, got so much humidity in the have, summer. Yeah, we do, and and we have a lot of basements as well, underground mm-hmm. basements. And so people run dehumidifiers to take the moisture out of the air, and that's fine um, as long as those dehumidifiers are well-maintained. If they're not well-maintained, they're going to cause a, a worse problem than they're going to solve. Okay, so now let's, let's learn something there. Sure. Uh, so you're saying to maintain them, and that might be a, 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 a lack of discipline. It, uh, that it somebody is. hasn't disciplined themselves every time they've used it, that they should keep it. What should they do? do to it to keep it maintained? Clean it. It's very simple. Um, first of all, there's, there's two types of systems. There's those that drain directly outdoors, and then there's those that have a tank that have to be emptied. What I find is the ones that drain directly outdoors are typically the ones that are poorly maintained because okay. they're not thought of. It's just, oh, that thing's running in the basement and it's okay. fine. The ones where you have to empty the tank once, once a, a day or every couple of days, you pull the tank out and you notice, hmm, it's kind of gunky in Yucky. there. And then, you, you, you know, you can usually pull a cover off and you can clean the interior components fairly easily and then put it back together and run it. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to talk about this with respect to humidifiers. A lot okay. of people uh, have been installing whole house humidifiers that attach directly to their furnace or forced air system and they spray moisture into the ductwork, which is then delivered throughout the home, which is fine in and of itself. But when those systems are not maintained, and that happens almost all the time. Yeah, they have a filter in them. Uh, they have a filter in them, but, uh-huh. but they have to be cleaned. And okay. I can't tell you the number of times that I go into someone's house who has a whole house humidifier, and I say to them, you know, when was the last time you cleaned it? And they give me a funny look like it's supposed to be cleaned. Oh, wow. And then you yeah. take a look at the tubes, just the, the plastic tubes, and you can't even see through them anymore. They're completely constant, it's, you know, it's all molded up. up. Well, that's, that's, that's bacteria-laden gunk in there. And so that's now you're spraying sense. water into your home to humidify it, which is a good thing, but you're using polluted water, so it's a bad thing. And, yeah. and it's, well, it well it's to, not a good anymore. No, and it, lost, it, it's a crisis. It's exactly. And it really comes down to what you said earlier. You have to discipline yourself. If you're going to install these high-tech gadgets, you have to maintain them as well as you install them. You, you don't buy a Lexus and then not get the oil changed every 3,000 miles. You bring it in every 3,000 well, miles. Well, and we have a health issue. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, what, what is so un- interesting is uh, in, the, in the medical field, there's a health crisis. Allergies are out of control. How many people do you know that don't get an allergy of some nature during a year and year-round? And in, uh, in the old world, you get it really when the seasons change. Now it's year-round. Well, I can tell you this. My daughter is uh, in third grade and there are four asthma inhalers uh, on her teacher's desk for four out of, I guess, about 22 oh, kids yeah. who have asthma. That's not unusual. That's the norm. 
and because I of know, the air. I know when I was a kid, you know, I don't remember anyone having an asthma inhaler on the teacher's desk. I don't either. It's very common. I know it's gotten out of control. And this is why the show is so important to me, Glenn, is first of all, I want the world to understand how important water is in our everyday life. But I also want them to understand that when you've got to be proactive and self-disciplined about who you are with your own ecosystem, personal health needs, and the dry air, what's happening. So I want you to add water to your everyday diet, plenty of good healthy water, but I also need everybody to think, if the air is dry, how is it affecting you personally? We've got to be proactive. I think even the health insurance uh, premiums would uh, drastically lower in time if people were healthier and wanted to be more proactive. Uh, where allergies are out of control, and I'm blaming uh, the indoor conditions worse than outdoor. You know, Glenn, they can raise those millions and billions of dollars for the foundations and the grants for the ecosystem of outdoors, but wh- how much money are they raising for the indoor toxic problems? Well, I can tell you this, that I think the, the statistic is age 13 to 18, maybe 13 to 20, the number one reason for hospital emergency room visits Asthma attacks. Wow. Can you believe that? Asthma attacks are affecting our population. Well, and, you know, I'll go deeper with that, too, with you, is, you know, when you have a, let's say, Glenn, you get a common little cold or you get a little allergy or something so simple or even a flu today, what happens? Your lungs fill up. And when you finally get healthy and you start feeling better, you forget you're really maintaining, didn't get rid of all that uh, problem in the lungs, the congestion in the lungs. And that's where my concerns have been. If you're not drinking enough water, it'll keep getting worse because water is the only filtration you've got. It's got to be water. If the moisture that's in the air, the kind of absolute moisture you don't see, the humidity, is the kind that's mild and easy, not overbearing. That particular type of level of humidity, if you're not getting that, the skin is tight as a drum like a leather and you can't detoxify. Well, I so you definitely you. are in a, a very important um, group there. Now, what else did you like to teach us before we're completed today with this research project here? Well, a couple of things. Going back to the subject of clean, I want to talk about um, air conditioning systems. They need to, that, that is an area where you can filter. do so much, not just the filter. I mean, the filter is important at least once a month. Change them once, once a, month. a month. And don't use the cheap, you know, $1 filters that you get at the grocery store. Go to Home Depot or Lowe's or a similar type of store, buy the one that costs $10 or so. Mm-hmm. They're usually pleated. Um, I don't like to use brand names, but the right. 3M Filtrate is probably the most popular brand out there. Uh, get one like that at least. And like I say, change them once a month. When you see what's, what has gathered on, on one of those high-efficiency filters over a month's time, over a month's time, and then you think how long your system's been running, probably 10 years or longer, you know, it all the stuff that passes through that filter goes into your system. If the filter is 70 or 80% efficient, that means that you know 20% of what's on the filter once a month made it through the filter. And now you multiply that over 10 years, guess what you've got? You've got a bunch of dust and stuff inside your mechanical system and your ductwork. That should be cleaned about every five years. It should be inspected at least once a year. But if you have a home that has a, a furnace and air conditioning system and you've never had your ducts cleaned and you've been living there for five years or more, have them inspected. Oh you're, going to be, yeah. you're going to be shocked by what you find. Yeah. And after you have it cleaned, you're going to be very glad to have that dust and dirt out of your house. A couple other real quick things. Um, vacuum 
But when you vacuum your house, use a good vacuum. Don't use a cheap vacuum. Otherwise, you're just kicking fine dust particles up into the air, and you're going to cause yourself aggravation. Mm -hmm. Get a good quality, high-efficiency vacuum cleaner. Mm -hmm. Same with dusting. If you're going to dust, don't just sweep the dust off the, sh off the table and into the air. Use a product that's going to pick up the dust. Okay. And then that leads me to the last thing, which is chemicals. Um, I tell people, you know, really try to go easy with it. In this day and age, we, we, everything has to be, you know, a, a sanitizer, uh, you know, whether it's something that we use to wash our hands or, or scrub the counters, and, and, and it, it's getting a little crazy. So I tell people, you know, go easy on the chemicals. Use the ones that you need to use, but there's plenty of organic cleaners out there as well mm -hmm. that are very effective. And then store your chemicals safely. Don't leave them in a place where... They're going to hit the airstream. Put them in a closet. Put them in the garage. Put them somewhere deep in the basement where they're not going to become part of the indoor environment. Otherwise, you're going to breathe chemical fumes. You know, when you say they breathe chemical fumes and the containers are closed, do you mean it's reaping through the container? Well, I don't know about how, how the kind of containers you use, but if I know if I look under uh, oh, in the cabinet in my garage in my house, most of the containers probably have drips down the side from the chemical where there I poured it out. Okay, in other words, every time you go to use them, wipe yeah. off the container. Well, that's one thing. And to we do. use a paper towel and throw the wet towel But even away. the containers themselves, they might, they might be liquid tight, but that doesn't mean that you, okay. st you still can't have, you know, trace right. amounts of chemical Toxic, uh, uh, on off the, of them. Yeah. So no matter how well you, 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 you seal the top, it should still be stored somewhere safely. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, to kind of overview it, uh, looking at it all, uh, so today we're learning that uh, our indoor conditions can be um, very uh, too, too much humidity, too much moisture could cause allergic reactions to the unknown, which is mold and different moisture levels in the house that are not healthy. Uh, then you came into the fact that, uh, mentioned the fact that air is dry. And if the air is dry, uh, which goes the other extreme, uh, that can also cause an uh, immunity problem. Uh, like you're, you said, mentioned that people move from place to place, like what just happened there with uh, a group going to Texas, they were, had a reaction uh, from going from one climate to the other. Um, something that people could be learning, though, is uh, that a lot of the chemistry in their fabrics of the furniture and the carpeting and their bedding has um, also got a problem. And what you, did you ever learn anything about having a little window open to kind of let things, even if it's not very wide, just enough to have a window open, a crack, to allow some of that to escape? Did you ever learn anything about that in your research? Oh, absolutely. Um, but it is a function of how good the outdoor air is. Um, you, you know, my advice for somebody living in Des Moines might be very different from someone living in Los Angeles. So you have to take a look at how, how clean is my outdoor air before I want to use natural ventilation as a way of diluting the, the, the pollution indoors. Now, as far as that specific problem you mentioned, though, the bedding, I do talk to people a lot about the um, hypoallergenic covers they make for mattresses and pillows. Uh, they're, they're basically, you know, giant plastic encasements, and you, and you mm -hmm. put your mattress inside it, mm -hmm. and it seals tight like a Ziploc baggie, mm -hmm. and there, voila, you got it all trapped inside, mm -hmm. um, and, and so now when you jump on your mattress, you don't have dust particles flying up in the air. They're trapped inside. They have the similar types of products for pillows, so if you, you just love your down feather pillow, you can't live without it, but, but your wife or your spouse is, is allergic yeah. to feather pillows, yeah. you can encase it in plastic, uh -huh. and, uh, and you can enjoy your feather pillow while you're, you're, you're your spouse enjoys a good night's sleep. Okay. 
and then also some of the detergents that they're using for washing uh, the laundry. Uh, don't use, just don't toss it in. Go by the instructions because those instructions were tested upside and down by several million dollars to that don't overuse because it could, that could become a toxic problem as too much uh, detergent in all of your bedding, you know, that didn't ring, uh, rinse out. Yeah, I, I wrote... The other thing, too, Glenn, real quick, is that when you're using your, taking a bath or a shower, don't lather. D- d- use it lightly because it leaves a film on the skin and that also causes a dryness and hard to breathe. The skin's got to breathe. You're, you're, you're so right. Um, when you were talking about... Uh, clothes washing and, and, and laundry before. I was thinking of, of high energy efficiency washers, the, the HE washers, which are now very, very popular and very good for the environment because they use less water. Mm-hmm. However, like anything else, uh, they require more maintenance because they're, they're better okay. technology. You wouldn't believe the number of people I talk to who say, I open up the, the, the door to my washing machine and it stinks like either mold or rotten eggs mm-hmm. because these new high efficiency washing machines, when you close the door, they're sealed tight. You've trapped the moisture inside. Guess what happens when you trap moisture inside an enclosed space? It starts to grow stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's just like with the humidifiers and the dehumidifiers. They're wonderful appliances, very, very helpful. Um, they can really improve your indoor environmental quality, but if you don't maintain them, they're going to cause you more problems than, than, than you were trying to solve. Now, do you have a place on the web by chance, um, and this is off-the-wall question, is there a place they can go with a checklist? to check down the list of all the things we, like we discussed today, like the, the washing machine and the, and the dryer and the, and the, uh, different, uh, the de- uh, different uh, chemicals they're using and, and, and how to maintain and how, well, how to think a discipline. In other words, it's like a little log that they can have in the ho- house, and, like in case of an emergency, but this is a log for uh, problems of, of air and, and contaminations that cause the health to go bad. Is there a checklist somewhere? Um, not a checklist per se, but there's two very, very helpful websites. The first one is um, the EPA's Indoor Environments Division. Okay. And if you just do a Google search for EPA Indoor Environment or EPA Indoor Environment Division, it will be the number one hit you get. Mm-hmm. And they have some tremendously useful fact sheets and tip, tip sheets for homeowners and building owners about how to manage indoor air quality in their homes. Mm-hmm. There we go. Okay. The second place I'd recommend you go would be to our organization's website. Uh, the Indoor Air Quality Association mm-hmm. is a nonprofit 501c6 mm-hmm. corporation, mm-hmm. and we're here primarily to help people who either investigate or, uh, or remediate indoor air quality problems and, and mm-hmm. learning how to do, uh, do best practices. But our site is iaqa.org, and there's a lot of information there for consumers to teach them about how to maintain good indoor environments. Well, Glenn, thank you. We're out of time. I think we did a lot today, and I don't think we could ever have, could have another show like this and even learn some more. Well, Sharon, I would love to come back. Thank you so much for allowing me to well, I think guessing. we learned a lot that dry air is a problem, and I will say this, Glenn. I will make a very strong statement. I wish they would open their air, the window will crack anywhere they're at in the world because I think the indoor air is worse than outdoor. <laughs> I wish right. they'd start thinking more about putting lots of money into what you're doing because I, I think when they determine that dry air causes flu, I think it's more from indoor conditions than outdoor. But you have a nice day, and uh, bless you all for what you're doing. All right. Well, thank you, and have a wonderful day yourself. You too. Have a nice day. Bye. Well, indoor conditions are bad, and I don't care what anybody ever says about the outdoors. Nothing could be as bad as indoors. 
uh, because I think it's a crisis. I think it's been overlooked during one of the, like you said, in the 70s. They came up with a way to save energy. Well, guess what? Your health is uh, vital, and I think there's been more health problems and symptoms since that. And I would say without a doubt we've got to continue to research this and come up with ideas for you to think better, more proactive about yourself and where you're living. He's right about the pets. I do agree with that. Uh, it's not healthy. You've got to keep your pets clean, make sure they're drinking plenty of water, and uh, making sure the house is kept clean because of the oil from the fur of the pets and the other conditions that are your common knowledge. But the one thing in your home that you can do not to force the humidity in the air is bowls, beautiful collected bowls, one in each room. Let the air... Uh, pull out of the bowl of water what it needs to pick up the extra water and the moisture in the air that called that absolute uh, moisture level. Uh, think about that. And even in your buildings, in your office buildings, uh, put a, a bowls of water, attractive vases, collections of, of, of terrain, uh, of the, ter- the uh, um, uh, urns, I wanted to say, I'm sorry. And do certain things that the air can pull out na- nature's way to put the moisture in the air. Uh, little water fountains that sell for almost nothing and keep that moisture uh, water in there. Think about that, too. I think it's important. Uh, we're going to listen to our sponsor with Biologic Aqua Research Centers, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, all-natural method of supplementing the eyes that has never been done before, that is being uh, as all over the world understood with just a mist, you can supplement the eyes as you applied your lip balm for dry eye, dry lips. Now you can apply Nature's Tears Eye Mist for eyes that are dry. We'll listen to our sponsor and we'll be right back. Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Listen. The world is talking. The world is talking. World Talk Radio. Studio A. Today we have David Peterson, who's a research biologist team leader with the U.S. Forest Department in Washington. David, are you with us? I'm there. Good morning. Well, good morning. How are you this morning? Oh, just fine. Thank you. Good. Well, you're in a very exciting project every day with your life. And how long have you been doing research in the forest? I've been doing forest biology research for about 28 years now, so quite a long time. Wow. Wow. So you've been seeing a lot of changes going on with this, with people wanting to learn more. There's, it's kind of a never-ending quest, and there's always different opinions and different perspectives, and some people get very uh, emotional about forest issues. So it, it, there's always something interesting to look at. Yeah, in fact, um, I was going to say, when we're on the air like this, let's look at this, sh- uh, this, this radio talk show, uh, the power of water, your, your climate, your air, your health and the health of the world, the planet, and the ecosystem is our forest. You know, I always say, uh, David, um, such strong mountains and, 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 the, and the protection of the mountains that were created and the breath of life from the mountains are so vital to the whole ecosystem of the planet. 
and you're in that. You're studying it. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're finding. Let's start out with, I think we need positive today. People are so into worried about negative. Everything has to be negative to get the attention of people, to get them to listen, which is sad. Uh, but in the positive side of the forest research, what do you think they're finding to help the ecology of this world, the whole planet as an ecosystem? Well, I think, first of all, there's a much greater realization that unless the planet is healthy, unless our forests are healthy and our mountain ecosystems are healthy, that the human population can't be healthy. So I think there's a much greater awareness that people are directly connected to the environment. If you look at just the United States, for example, uh, over 50% of all of our fresh water comes directly from the forest and mountains on public lands. Right. So unless we have good, clean, high-quality water and good, clean air to breathe, um, our quality of life goes down quite a bit. So I think there's a much greater realization that if we can uh, manage and steward the forest responsibly, then our own lives will be much better as well. Yeah, that's an ecosystem. You know, we've had uh, Tom, uh, a fellow on here who's an ecologist, and he, t- he was teaching us that the ecosystem is every little single thing that is affecting every other little thing on the, power, on the planet from the moment it began to the, for eternity hope. Uh, so you've been learning now. What do you view? What's the most dominant thing you've learned in our forest and and listeners around the world? There's forests that are absolutely the most beautiful forests that get 100 and 200 inches of rain a year, um, that are absolutely thriving with thanks to the U.S. United States Forest Service. And to, uh, David, I'm going to compliment the United States of America. There's no place on earth that takes better care of the planet in the United States of America. I don't want anybody to ever say any negatives. And uh, it started long ago with our forefathers. They tried to add that to their daily agendas to think about the future. And I've had, uh, David, I've had no end of people from the Forest Service from all over this United States, heads of the Forest Service from the Olympic and up in Alaska and Antarctica and over to Florida. We've been all over. And um, what we want to teach our class today in this uh, show is what do you think that everyone should be considering as, as a very important part of the f- research in the forest that you're doing right now, right now? Well, I think, that, of course, the biggest issue on everyone's minds is global climate change. And the forests have a big, big role to play in climate change because forests store carbon, okay. which will help reduce the amount of greenhouse gases, especially carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. So anything we can do to encourage the maintenance of forests, I have this little, little saying I like to use, no net loss of forests. If we can encourage that sort of approach and policy well, throughout the U.S. Let's repeat that again, David. Let's do that again. Yes. Now, let's start out with the word carbon. Let's yeah. take people who hear the word. You know something I've learned, David, is when you see the Mona, if you had the Mona Lisa in your office and you know it's a famous painting, but would you, if you got so used to it, would you just kind of, for, you know, just let it go in one ear and out the other and wouldn't pay any attention. People are hearing the word carbon. Let's define carbon for them. Okay, well, carbon is a basic element of the earth, and it's part of all, all vegetation and organic matter, both living and dead. Mm-hmm. So you and I are made up of carbon, at least partially. Uh, the grass is made up of carbon. Trees are made up of carbon, at least partially. And if we were to look at a tree... And if we could just burn it up and analyze the chemicals in it, about 50% of that tree would be carbon. Okay. Hmm. 
Okay, then, uh, so then you're looking at a forest and your vision, we're going to vision the audience that you're looking at the most beautiful forest with the ferns and the moss and, and the moisture smell, and you know it's not mold, but it's, it smells clean, fresh, pure, healthy. And then you're realizing that the carbon that is in that forest is affecting the ecosystem of the whole planet. Exactly. So that the trees and all the vegetation are essentially breathing in carbon, okay. storing out, whereas humans and animals breathe out carbon dioxide. So right there you have a perfect connection between both plants and humans. Okay. So what is the importance of, uh, let's say we find a forest that has 100 inches of rain or 200 inches of rain, does it have more of an ecosystem uh, effect than the forest that maybe only gets at 20 inches of rain, 30 inches of rain? Absolutely. That's a very okay. good observation. Because uh, that particular forest would have more rain, it can grow faster and it can store more carbon. And put so, more moisture in the air for the rest of the ecosystem. Exactly. Again, you get into the idea of cycling locally, and in this case, not just carbon, but also the water. So that's part of the hydrologic cycle. Okay. Now, when a forest has uh, a lot of moisture and it's healthy, and it's doing well, what does that do for anywhere else? In, let's say you go uh, 300 miles away to a location that doesn't have the same forest. Does it have, does it have to produce more to the ecosystem because, uh, because of its influence? Its influence is very important to the other ecosystems that are not having uh, the ability for nature to have all of that carbon and the... Um, the, the breath of life that you're getting out of a forest that's, uh, that's very green, dark green. No, I'll, I'll go in even to the d color of the dark green. Well, that, that's a good point. And, you know, there's a saying that everything flows downhill. Okay. So you may have a forest that's up in the mountains, say in the Cascade Mountains where I live in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. but all the water and everything moves out away from that location, sometimes hundreds, even thousands of miles from the source. Mm -hmm. So, again... Even a very wet forest is still connected to some of those dry forests because you have materials, water, you know, and air moving around uh, throughout a very large regional area. Mm -hmm. So, again, you, you always have that connection going on. Okay, and it's very important. Now, what are you finding that is so important for you to protect? What is the, there's a controversy of, of how, how much to protect. Right. So what, do you, what have you found that's the ecosystem balancing? Well, that's one of the fundamental questions that we're doing research on at the moment. But what we do know is we need lots of different types of forests and vegetation in any particular area to protect all the plants and animals that live there. Mm -hmm. So we can't just go out there, cut a forest, and plant it all in one species mm -hmm. because that won't protect any biological diversity. So we really need kind of a patchwork, if you would, or a mosaic of mm -hmm. different forest types, different species, different ages, and different structures. That seems to be the best approach to protecting uh, the biggest portion of our animals and plants. Yeah, I always think about the animals, too, because I think it's a very important part of the ecosystem in those locations. Now, what do you do about insects? Because I've done a little research on the, the, the different plants and the different trees that are die, have died that are really causing a prob insect problem to the healthier, yes. uh, the other uh, trees and the, and the plants that are, in, uh, that are being affected by all the insects that are affecting on the dead part of the forest. What, what are you doing about that? 
Well, of course, there are any of a number of different native insects that have been here for thousands and millions of years, actually, and they've come to a certain balance Mm -hmm. with the ecosystem, and and they may kill some trees in some places, but generally they won't kill all the trees in all the places. Mm -hmm. But there's been a little bit of a change in recent years, and you may have read about this in the news with a, a little insect that's called the mountain pine beetle. And it has uh, devastated many areas of western North America. Uh, Over 25 million acres of lodgepole pine have been killed in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. It's uh, blazing through Colorado at the moment. And this seems to be an insect that has taken off because of recent temperature increase. Mm -hmm. So this is where global warming seems to have an effect on this particular bug, and it has exceeded some threshold. Mm-hmm. So now, the, that what's bug going, does, uh, does it thrive more on humidity, moisture levels that are uh, different? Well, it actually likes drier and warmer. Drier and warmer. And so, as we're drying out the planet, this is a bug that seems to be able to thrive in those conditions, which is arguably not a natural situation anymore. Well, I wish we had more time. I'd like to do this again, uh, David, if you had time ever again, because I don't think there's enough education about what you were teaching us. I. Uh, I'd like to have you on, if you could be on sometime a little longer and have you like one of the first guests, because I think this is a health issue, and people have to realize the health of the ecosystem is, is very much affecting the whole planet. Uh, is there some, would you like to tell us your website for people to come to before we leave? Well, I can do that. That would be www.fs.fed.us. Slash P N W slash F E R A. I'm going to put that on my website for okay. everybody to see on our show. Sorry so that, about that. That way they can. Uh, I'll, we'll put it on for you. Very good. And then because it is a long one, but thank you for everything you're doing. And I like the research side of this show that we can talk about people thinking about what how to think and what is happening to the ecosystem of the whole planet. And you know what, David, I bet this is causing a lot of stress on human lives because the stress load that people have, and or, you know, it's caused by the planet also having a stress load. But it thank you for is. your time. And thank you. I, it was a pleasure talking to you. You have a nice day. Okay, take care. Bye. Well, Earth does have a secret, and I've said it over and over. It's the water, it's the water, it's the water, and it's our planet. And stress is causing people to have anxieties can be the planet not being healthy. Earth has a secret. Embrace your life. Every precious moment. Earth is whispering. Never say goodbye. Leave a footprint. Have a nice day. Thank you for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.